I think it's everyone's internal struggle, if they really are believers in Christ, a desire to walk closer with Christ. How do you draw near to God? We'll talk about that next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Drawing near to God, it is a challenge even for the most seasoned of saints. Yet it is something that we are called to do, and God doesn't leave us without any help. Welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Today we continue our survey of Hebrews chapter 10 in a message simply called Draw Near to God. And then a note of interest, if you'd like to know a bit more about Pastor Phil, then join Pastor Phil and myself this Wednesday on Lifeline with Craig Roberts right here on KFAX, 5 to 7 Wednesday evening. We'll have a fantastic time with Pastor Phil here in studio. So write it on your calendar and join us. For now, let's catch up with Pastor Phil here in Hebrews chapter 10. I often think the night I got saved, I was saved with my brother and his boys. I was on the second row right there with Jonathan, his little old Pentecostal church in South Richmond. Just a Tuesday night meeting, you know. Nobody goes Tuesday night but the elect. And uh, there weren't many of us. And it seemed so hard. I, I grew up old-fashioned, boy. We went to altars. You know, we had altars. You prayed through at the altar. It seemed like a million miles from that second row to going and kneeling down front saying, I wanted Christ. Then it hit me one day. He just asked you to come two, from two rows back. I'll, I'll come as far as I can come. I'll come from glory to Calvary. What are you willing to do to get close to God? I am thine, O Lord, I've heard thy voice. And it told thy love to me, but I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to thee. Draw me closer. Draw me nearer. Nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, nearer to thy precious bleeding side. Depth of mercy, can there be mercy still reserved for me? Can my God his wrath forbear? Me, the chief of sinners, spare? Whence to me this waste of love? Ask my advocate above. See the cause in Jesus' face, now before the throne of grace. I have long withstood his grace, long provoked him to his face, would not hearken to his calls, grieved him by a thousand falls. There for me the Savior stands, show his wounds and spread his hands. God is love, his grace so free, depth of mercy there for me. Charles Wesley, depth of mercy. Well, he moves from our vertical, and us going to God, to hold on to your hope. And uh, here these Jewish converts and those being exposed to the letter of Hebrews were being tempted, go back, go back, go back. 
And after they put faith, no doubt they're saying, I, I wonder if I'll get what he said. I wonder if all will be fulfilled. I, I, I've trusted Christ. I left the synagogue. My parents have put me out of their home. I, I wonder if I made the right choice. And he's saying, don't let us hold on to our hope. Hold on. The gospel brings the promise of more to come. And let us, con let us hold fast the confession of our hope. And our hope is, I've trusted Christ and no one else. Christ, not sacrifices. Christ, not Judaism. Christ, not any other name. I trust Christ. He said, hold on to that hope. For faithful is he who promised. Listen to me. Listen. A promise is no better than the person who made it. That's profound if you can get it. You know, my kids, little kids, you know, grandchildren. Oh, I'll give, I'll give you some money. You know, don't put your confidence in that. Whole lot of folks, I don't have any hope in what they say. But when God says something, faithful is he who promised, he will keep his word. He will, not because you're such a great believer, but because he's a great promise giver. And he cannot lie. He cannot deny himself. He will carry through. He will carry through. And now, after he says, you hold on, you draw nigh. He says, by the way, this is what I want you to be doing to my people and for my people. Let's listen to what he says. Verse 24, and let us consider how to irritate one another <laughs> to love and good works. Did you know that is the first meaning of this word? It literally was used of irritation. And, and so if you have a King James Bible, older translations, you might remember, provoke one another. You remember that? Provoke one another. Now, let me ask you if I said, uh, uh, you said, well, boy, they just provoke me. Would that be positive or negative? Can't hear you. Yeah, yeah. But that's what the word was. Its secondary meaning was stimulate or uh, basically motivate somehow to do the right. Have you ever had anybody that your relationship to them, you'd say, they're like a thorn in my side. This is part of this word's meaning. And uh, I don't know anybody who does this in the church except for the preacher and people get mad at him. How to stir up, don't provoke me, don't irritate me, stimulate maybe but, but the idea here is you need one another. And when a man is dying of frostbite, he needs stimulation. Wake up, wake up. You went to sleep because you're dying of cold. Wake up, walk, rub your arms, do something. What are you doing? I'm stimulating you so your blood keeps flowing so you don't die of freezing to death. 
And he's saying, saints need to be stimulated. Because the age gets colder, and living for God seems real lonely in a wicked world. Stimulate one another when you're with them. Stimulate them to good works. You know what? I have to make a confession. I've never been a fan of uh, small group studies. I really haven't. But I am now more than ever because I don't think you could do verse 24 and 25 corporately. Give you an example. Now, my dear friend Jim Snyder came up and prayed for me today. That was the first. Uh, ever since I've been here today, nobody stimulated me to love and good works. Nobody. Who stimulated you since you've been here today? To love and good works. I didn't go down to church to be stimulate people. I went down to sing and hear the word. Yes, Miss Irritable. Where do you do this? Where do you do? Not the preacher. He's talking to all the saints. Where do you stimulate people to good works? Do you have a stimulus effect or an irritable effect? I'll tell you, I'd rather be irritated into good works than just to go to sleep and do none. I grew up, I grew up with irritable preachers and sermons that weren't afraid of any of you. They told us to pray, to get with it, to live holy, or you're going to hell. This culture is so mamby-pamby. Let's be sure the coffee's the right kind. Right temperature. Be sure they like us. Be sure everything is nice and syrupy. And, and nobody provokes you for God. Because the pulpit has been emasculated and tamed. There's no fire in pulpits. Especially for pastors. Because you've got to get along, you know, with everybody. Well, if God can't get along with you, how do you expect me to? Ask Moses. Man, these saints were chewing on him all the... How would you like to leave that two million bunch of murmuring believers? Woo! My lands. It's strong. They're fighting for their faith. They're holding on. Everything's to go back. And then I gather with the saints. And what I see here, most likely, see, I used to be down on small group studies because I, this kind of way. There seemed to be one of two kinds. You either had a Bible study with a real gangbuster teacher. And usually in that setting, which I would be in, I was the teacher. Little discussion. One-way communicator. Me. Or, my, my thought was, you go to these kind that everybody was asked, what does that verse mean to you? I said, what does that verse mean to you? That's not what it means. Well, it makes me feel this way. I, that's not what it says. I looked at the Greek. Well, I don't know Greek. Well, you shouldn't be teaching. Well, what do you do at your study? Well, we pray together. We encourage one another. Uh, there's one of our sisters in the group needed a little money, uh, just went through a divorce and broke, so we took a little collection and helped them. Uh, we had them in our home. Uh, she made some friendship. Matter of fact, we're going to meet at Starbucks during the week. 
You did what? That doesn't sound like getting into the Word. I want the Word. What about getting into the body? What about getting into the lives? So you come in here, and you sit down in the pew, and say, go to it, Howard. We know you found out what the verse means. Stimulate us. And don't say anything that'll make us mad. By all means. And some of you got mad when you just saw me. I didn't say anything. You're already guilty. Here is a one another. I'm telling you Christians, you Christians, let me ask you, who have you stimulated to love and good works since you've been here today? Most likely, none of you. Maybe in the Sunday school class, our core value class, David's class. Hey, that's okay. I want you to feel guilty. I don't think this is the likely context that this kind of activity happened. I think we've got to get in smaller groups for it to happen. For, so that introverts won't be shut down or shut out. And that what we need is not just more knowledge of the Bible, and I happen to love the Bible, but we need uh, to get over the loneliness of American culture, the isolation, and the non-functioning of the body. God wants you to encourage somebody. Thank you, whoever that was. You. I mean, many a church, I mean, their opening hymn ought to be where seldom is heard an encouraging word. <laughs> home, home on the range. You know, I, I know some people really, the only time I hear from them is when they have a criticism. I never hear an encouraging word. They think they have the gift of criticism. They've got indigestion. That's not a gift. Are you negative about God's church? Well, I'll tell you one reason it's in the shape it's in. You. I've had people come to this church and they'll do a quick appraisal. and say, boy, your people aren't real deep, are they? Your people aren't really. I said, no, maybe that's why God sent you. But I'm afraid we're worse off because you showed up. Anybody can x-ray us. It takes more than an x-ray to get you well. Well, he goes on. Um... Not neglecting to meet together. That is a pitiful translation. Uh, and this is an ESV. So the, you, you say, man, that's weak. New American Standard, and I think King James, the word ought to be translated, not forsaking. That's the word. It's not, I casually miss a service. Uh, we went on vacation. I'm sick. By the way, in America, the average attendance in American church going is twice a month. So if you come more than twice a month, we can nominate you as a super saint. I mean, how many were here last uh, Sunday night when we heard five of our deacons give their testimony? Anybody disappointed that you came? No. No, no. I mean, but, but I know you've got to be a fanatic to ever come out Sunday night, even once a month. That's, only the fanatics do that. Any of my people here came that felt we backslid when we quit meeting every Sunday night because we went all day, all of our lives. Anybody here? Any, any of the chosen few? Okay. Some of you are just too uh, lazy. You, you, you never got the habit. They'll beat up. You, you take to the Lord. Get over it. You can't meet with him enough when you're being 
persecuted, suffering, talked out of your faith, all of this. And my father used to say, and an Edwin Chandra testifies, my dad said, I work with women chasers, boozers, fighters, godless men all week. I can't wait to meet with people who love his name and love his word. I'm with the world all week. I want to get with some saints that love his name. Now, listen to what he says. This word for uh, forsaken, get this word. See if you get the meaning of it. Here's the word. I'm using it in the Greek. My God, my God, why have you neglected me? Come on, correct me. Edit. Forsaken me. That's the word. He's going to go into apostasy in the next section. If you turn back on the sun, you're going to hell. If you treat the blood that's been described in this book as an unclean thing, you're going to hell. If you do despite the Spirit of God and you don't want it, you're going to hell. There's no hope for you. And yet one of the warning symptoms happens to be you forsaken meeting with the people of God who know him. Because you no longer have the appetite. He says, not forsaking, abandoning, leaving in the lurch, meeting together, as is the habit of some. I've seen it. I've seen people, they'll quit coming in then a little bit longer, a little bit longer, a little bit longer. Then they then they go, and people are like, where are they? They're back in sin. Because you see, we're like coals of a fire. You isolate that coal, and it will cool off. You've got to be all bunched together to keep the heat. It's a cold day, friend. We've got to be together. We've got to be together. We're the minority, a big minority. There's only a few of us in this country that know him. And it's getting worse. The younger generation, I'm not about a young people's church either. I'm about whoever's in the church that knows Christ. I want to meet with them. I don't care what your age is. I don't care how long you've been on this earth. Do you love him? Do you love his name? Do you want to gather together? Who puts that in your heart? God does. I was amazed with my father. My, many of my mother's people had moved to the L.A. area working in the tire factories down there. And most of our people were not churchgoers. And uh, they'd go down. And I remember going down. We'd see my Aunt Bernice, my Uncle Mac. We'd go to L.A. and be with uh, her people. And, uh, oh, boy, they love to uh, cuss the Republicans. They, they love coffee and cigarettes. I'm telling you, they had a time. They were fun, but they, most of them didn't know God. I remember as a kid, you know, I'd wake up early, like kids do, and I'd go in there, and so many times I'd, uh, I'd go see my mother and say, where's Dad? I said, where's Dad? He's gone. She said, you, you know him. He's out looking up a bunch of saints somewhere. He's got to be in church on Sunday. I said, what? He said, yeah. Yeah. And then we, he's a whistler. You can hear him when he's coming in. He'd be whistling one of the songs, talking. And he said, I don't care how small the group gets that loves Jesus and his name. I'm going to be there. What about you? 
What about you? Are you right now forsaking? You're here today spatially, but you're already planning your escape. You drag in and you run out, you know. Are you planning it? Do you want to forsake the church? All I could say is, the far country is desperate. It's cold. There's no God out there. There's no God. Why don't you come home? Why don't you get next to the table? Why don't you get next? Why don't you be reignited again? And then he goes on to say, listen, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Some take that day to be the destruction of Jerusalem, 70 AD. I understand it to be the coming of the Lord. You don't know. They, they saw all kinds of signs. Draw near is what I want you to do. Cling to your hope is what I want you to do. And oh, would you desperately help my people who need stimulation for it's cold. I want them to love. I want them to keep up good works. And I want every saint in every row today, you become an encourager of fellow believers. And if you're not, you're not obeying the verse. Too many of us professionals are ruining the church because you pay us to be good and the rest of you are good for nothing. God us up here is the stars. There are no stars meant for the true church of Christ, but Christ alone. We are servants. And if we will do this, when you come down here, this ought to be, now you got to be spiritual to catch this, a spiritual massage parlor. Stimulating. Don't, don't go any other way. you got to be spiritual. Stay with me. Wake up. Just wake up, boy. Wake up. And I'm telling you, I have to say, I wonder why I grew so much in a small church that didn't know one hundredth of the theology we teach here. You know why? My aunts, my uncles, my brothers, my sisters, all of my family went to that little south side church. You couldn't get in and out of the building that night without three exhortations, three encouragements, and five warnings. Man, I, my Aunt Millie, I'd go over there to see my cousin Rudy, and she's country girl. She'd bring us boys down to our knees if we were wrestling. She'd just get us right here, bring us down. Country strong. She'd make me help her peel potatoes. And all the time we're doing that, she walked me through Proverbs 5 and 6 and 7. This is the way to date a girl. This is the way to stay pure. This is, the way to, this is how you get to Richmond High. Don't sin. This is the way, Auntie, I want an apple pie. What's all this? This is, you're being exhorted, honey. When you're in my house, I'll do the exhorting. You got it? Why don't you exhort? Turn off the blasted TV. Your kids are going after sin, going to hell, and we can't stop long enough to stimulate our own to God and good works. Oh, we're timid. The church is tame, and she's as cold as she can be, and she's getting colder by the moment. He said unless he shortened those days, only the elect would be saved because it's going to get cold and colder. We need stimulation. We need the fire. We need to thaw out. Get back the fire.
And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our time together has come to a close here, but as we leave you, we'd like to do so with our address and phone number if you'd like to contact us. And we would love to hear from you. You see, Truth For Today airs here on KFAX in part through financial partnerships with our listeners, such as yourself. If the Lord is prompting you to make either a one-time gift or be a monthly donor, we would love to hear from you. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. Please take a moment and contact us at 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. And as our way of saying thank you for your partnership with us, we'll make you a TFT sustainer, which includes our quarterly newsletter, a once-a-year special gift. Take a break with Pastor Phil, the weekly video devotional, into your email box every week. Again, it's all part of our TFT Sustainers Package. Contact us and learn more at 855-833-9864 or simply stop by our website, valleybible.org. And you can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. As you stop by our website, valleybible.org, please remember other resource materials are available there. Other series is taught by Pastor Phil, some of the books that he's authored. You can also find out about Valley Bible Church, who we are and what we believe, how to get here, times that we worship, and you're more than welcome to join us. Again, you'll find it all at valleybible.org. Stop by and pay us a visit. Then drop us an email and let us know you did pay us a visit. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.